0: So if you're constantly trying to push yourself into a certain mold because you've been, had you've had this message hammered into you from day one, it's an incredibly hard conditioning to actually let go of, to actually realize that you have the greatest capacity to realize what it is to experience oneness, and we have so much especially in more of the western world that's surrounding individualism and separatism and you actually have a really beautiful way when you fully unlock yourself and live in your design to show us how how we are all one and how we aren't separate and that complete sense of non-attachment which sets you free and is actually something that your aura is basically promising other people that you're you're going to bring to them so I would actually say that if you're a reflector and you're afraid that you're going to be almost, you know, shunned from society because you're not fitting into the certain mold, it's actually what society needs most deeply from you.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, manifestation, and entrepreneurship. Today, we are talking all about human design, which is such a hot topic with Hannah Creer. I am so fucking excited about this because human design has shown up so much, especially in the last two years. And I've been exploring it, I've been getting deeper into it, and now I'm really starting to grasp the impact it has once you truly understand how to live in your design. So in full transparency, I am basic beginner level. Okay. I'm like kindergarten level understanding of human design. So I had Hannah, an expert come on. She actually did a reading for me a month ago, and it was so helpful just to understand more of my design and really validate some of my experiences and thoughts and feelings. And for anybody that doesn't know, I'm a reflector And apparently we are the most rare type. I think less than 1% of the population is reflectors, which is funny though, because I know a lot of reflectors. So it sounds like you wouldn't run into them a lot, but I do have a lot of reflector followers. I have a lot of reflector friends. So it's very interesting. And I actually kicked off asking about the reflectors first, because if you are a reflector, you know, because we're the rare type, I feel like we always get put last on the list of discussion and in graphics and in articles. So I was like, you know what, we're going to highlight reflectors first. So again, I did spend a little more time on reflectors because I am one and I wanted to make sure there was a little bit more attention put on there, but we did go through all the design types and we got pretty specific and even answered listener questions about parenting with human design, relationships, business. And this podcast is a bit longer because of how much we covered. So I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet, and let's dive right into the episode with Hannah, all about human design. All right, everybody. I am so excited about today's episode. I am joined by Hannah Creer I'm not saying that right. She is Kiwi. And so Hannah, can you say your last name? And Kiwi, by the way, means from New Zealand.
0: You actually nailed it. It's Hannah Creera.
1: Oh, right. yeah. There we go we practiced before we went live. So I'm glad I nailed it. Finally, Hannah, can you tell us a bit about how you got into human design? Because this is a world that I feel like blew up in the last two years. And it seems like everybody's getting into it. Everybody wants to know their design type. And I'm curious what piqued your interest into looking deeper into it and getting certified in it.
0: Yeah, of course. So I have always been a bit of a geek when it comes to profiling people from age five, I was reading name books. Like what? I wanted to call my child and was learning all about what names meant and then I had an auntie who was super into astrology and so I kind of dipped my toes in astrology for a while but I never really got super serious in all of that world. I actually have a background in law and commerce so I was quite straight in terms of my focus where my career and things were going but I did always have a really strong interest in spirituality and yoga and meditation and I decided to leave my corporate job a few years ago to pursue yoga teaching and meditation while studying psychology. I'm just an avid learner so I'm just very curious and along that way I found myself going deeper into astrology, really, really loved the self awareness that it brought. And then lo and behold, human design landed on my path. I actually heard about it through a podcast a few years ago and was instantly hooked because it kind of blended this spiritual world with a little bit more of a scientific and grounded approach, which I really, really loved. And so, yeah, when I found, ab- found out about it, got super passionate about it and anything that speaks to the human condition, I just go and geek out on it. And now today I'm doing readings and would never have expected this plot twist, but I'm loving it. <laughs> I love it. You did a reading for me and I'm
1: a reflector for anybody who doesn't know. I feel like I've talked about it, but we'll actually get into the design types, but I'm curious, like, can you in, in a nutshell, this might be hard, explain what human design is and like, why could it help us? How could it help us?
0: Yeah, sure. So human design is actually a really new system. It was downloaded in 1987. So it's pretty new on the streets, but it does combine a bunch of different ancient wisdoms, including the Kabbalah, the I Ching, chakras, astrology, um, and then we've got quantum physics and DNA thrown in there as well, so a few modern sciences. And essentially, when someone searches what their human design is, which anyone can do, they can go and hop onto um, myhumandesign.com or mybodygraph.com and basically enter in their birth details they'll see a chart that gets created that looks like a human body with lots of different colors and lines all over it and it looks super crazy initially but basically what that visually represents is your soul's energy and it's that very specific moment you were born essentially different planets were lighting up different parts of your body graph and it gives you an energetic signature in the world and when you start to understand more about human design you actually get a really incredible amount of information in terms of the way you're designed to operate and exchange energy with other people and when I'm talking about energy I'm basically describing your aura so everyone has an aura that exists about three feet to six feet out beyond their body and it's the vibes that we radiate And it's the vibes that we pick up on. It's why we feel really drawn towards someone or why we feel really turned away or when we walk into a space and we feel like there's some tension, maybe after a big fight has been had, we're always picking up energy and Human design is a system that gives us almost like x-ray vision into what the energy is doing.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating because it does give you a lot of like permission and freedom and it makes you understand like, oh, maybe that's why I've always felt that way. And it's starting to make sense. And this is why this thing clicks in my one life. But there's also this side of it where our ego or our rational side or our logical side pops up and you're like, is this real? So like, what do you say to people that are like, is it real? Like, how do you know that the person that shared it is, was really channeling it? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of skeptics of like, what is human design? Like, is it actually real?
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot that you can actually look into, if you're into more of the scientific side, something called neutrinos. We basically are human beings swimming in this sea of neutrinos and it's essentially information and these subatomic particles. And when a person is born, you know how when you're, you might have looked into how we're psychologically conditioned and the moment that we're born is actually really vital in terms of the lighting in the room and the way we were held and the mood of the people around us. We're getting imprinted by that energy within our physical space, right? And we can sort of understand that more from a logical standpoint. When we extrapolate out and out and out, There's also imprints that we're receiving from the planets around us. And we know that planets are literally real. Science has proven that there's planets that are real. And so we can see we get you know, burnt by the sun or we're influenced by the moon. There is an impact that planets are having on us. And in that moment that you're born, which is an incredibly significant moment, you're the most impressionable. Your body is imprinted with the information that is being streamed through something called neutrinos, and this actually creates the image of the body graph so there's a scientific aspect to it absolutely and then you know when you're wanting to actually have some tangible evidence of it working I would just say experiment with what human design suggests and see what flows on from that usually it's a much more ease filled approach to your life, and then if you're not living aligned to your design, oftentimes you'll be butting up against resistance. And our ego is also incredibly attached to the way we've been conditioned, right? And so that's a, a whole other piece of human design that's really, really important to unpack is how how we can begin to decondition and become back to our you know true self that we were at that moment we were born. We were born very whole and pure and so we just want to get back to that state and human design provides a really great roadmap for that
1: i love that and so from what i understand i have very basic knowledge of it but there are five main energy types and if you know your birth date your where you were born etc you can find it i did get a question from a listener of what if they cannot find their birth time how can they find their human design type
0: yeah that's actually a really good question so there is something known as astro rectification. So you basically meet with an astrologer and they can go through a series of questions. You'd know your birthday usually or around about the birthday. They go through a series of questions and because they have an awareness of astrology, they can piece together where, you know, maybe your rising sign was and, that's a very specific time portal so they can dwindle it down quite well and figure out the time you were born. Uh, Another practice that you can do is to actually play around with entering different times into the body graph system that you're using online because oftentimes the energy type won't actually change. Sometimes though, you know, there could be within a few minutes the energy type does change it just depends on the day you're born I know that my mum doesn't know her specific birth time and obviously I've really wanted to explore every friend family member pet that I have that I'm just like okay what's the human design and uh, so for my mum I realized that throughout every single hour of the day she's always going to be a projector so I know that's just like a flat rule that my mum is a projector. So that could be the case for someone who doesn't know their birth time. They could definitely go and have a look. And then thirdly, I would also recommend, you know, tuning into your intuition. Sometimes there is a knowing deep down. But, yeah, there are a few ways around that if you don't have the specific time.
1: Love that. So everybody that couldn't find their birth time, there's hope you can figure it out and know your human design type. So let's get into the energy types. And I would love to start with reflectors because I know they're the rarest ones. So I feel like we always get put like last on all the graphics and explanations and everything. So can we start with reflectors?
0: Of course, I totally agree. And that's just a good reminder to me as well. Sometimes I do go through the list and reflectors will be lucky last but it's not to say that they're least important every type is absolutely equally important there's no hierarchy but reflectors are incredibly rare very unique unicorn like beings so one percent of the population when I'm talking about the energy type just remember I am referring to the aura and as a reflector the energy is very light and so it When you look at a body graph, sometimes I was mentioning there are centers that are colored and sometimes there are centers that are white. And for a reflector, every single center in your body graph is white, which just means that you have a very open and absorptive energy field you reflect back and mirror back the environment that you're within. So the people you're around, whether it is in your workspace or within your family or your friendship group, that environment that you're in the middle of is so so determining your, your well-being. So when you're feeling a little bit off, that's often an amplified version of what's going on around you. So it's not to actually say, Stop feeling that way it's actually sometimes really important for you to embody that state so that other people can understand where they're at and for you to actually be that light that is that is giving wisdom out to the world based on how you're feeling you have a translucent aura so you can usually slip into different situations quite easily and there's actually it doesn't get talked about as much but reflectors do have a internal strength that doesn't get spoken about so much that they can actually have a buffer inside. So when energy does get too intense, sometimes you can actually flow through that. And it's almost like a survival mechanism, right? If you're so open, you need to have that level of inner strength and resistance against some of the heaviness of the world. And so just knowing that as well, if you are a reflector, there is that internal strength you can call upon and and rely on. But being really really mindful of the environment that you're within is so so key and I know when we spoke Chelsea you were mentioning that you felt you felt quite often different situations and Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to speak to that or...
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was adjusting to living with my parents back home. I was in Florida where, I mean, the news was crazy. We were in the middle of the election transition. We were going through so many ups and downs with the cases. I mean, it went from being like alone in lockdown to like the wild, wild west. And I was so thrown off because it wasn't my room. I was staying in my parents' guest room. I had no specific designated space to work it was really weird to go from being in lockdown to being into a wide open, you know, space. And even coming back to Germany, this happened actually like two weeks ago. I woke up one day and I just realized I was like, everything in our apartment feels so mismatched because we have roommates. So it's like one roommate's chair is in the kitchen and this person's cups are here. And so it's like, everything's not cohesive. And I'm not even someone that is like an interior, you know, designer aesthetic type of person. But I was like, it just doesn't feel like the space is inspiring or like it doesn't motivate me. And it just feels very discombobulated. I kept telling my boyfriend that and I was like, we need to spruce this up. And so we went and got plans. We got a salt lamp. We got like, we just started putting things around. I'm like, Oh, this changed my mood. And actually yesterday, interesting story. I was walking around town and I found a co working space and I was like, Oh my God. I almost like teared up because I was like, this is what I need. Like it's on the water. The space is open. There's sunlight flooding in. And I just started thinking about, yeah, my space and even our conversation and the reading that we did of like, it was crazy to see how my spaces like affected my mental energy and my work. But a question I actually have from that is like, I feel like a lot of people could be like, yeah, everybody is affected by their spaces, like not just reflectors. So I'm curious what your stance is on that when people have that thought.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so when I'm talking about reflectors having all their centers white, there are actually rare energy types that have all of their centers colored in almost as rare as a reflector, but um, everyone has whiteness somewhere in their chart, whether it's the lines or whether it's in the centers. So everyone has sensitivity to their environment and the people that they're around in different ways, right? So our environment is always going to affect us. We are all energetically picking up on each other and, And, you know, like we're picking up on the energy of a plant. It's all these living things around us, the pets. And I'm so excited that you've got plants and salt lamps because especially for you, like plugging into nature is a really great way for you to actually clear out some of that excess energy that you've picked up from the world. And I was actually thinking about you and you had someone on your podcast recently talking about Feng Shui. And I think that's like... All reflectors should go have like a, I mean, probably everyone should have a consultation with someone who does feng shui, but I think that's so, such a cool way to actually really honor that part of you that really does need to make sure your environment is really healthy. And yeah, walking into that co-working space and having that instant feeling inside is so, so what you need to be following. So I'm so excited you found that.
1: <laughs> oh, me too. I texted my boyfriend as if I just won the lottery. I
0: was like, there's a
1: coworking space by the water and like sent all these pictures. And it was like, okay, I don't know if this is just my reflectorness or what, but yeah, I was really excited. And something with reflectors too, is that we are the ones with totally undefined centers in every part of us. And I think a misconception that happens is like, then we have to find motivation or inspiration outside of ourselves until we have someone around that has a defiance center. Of course, this is like a very watered down like assumption that you know people have around this stuff. but I'm curious you know some of the misconceptions you hear about reflectors and how you validate them and let them know like that's not true
0: yeah absolutely and i think um projectors can hop on this train we call projectors and reflectors non-energy beings in human design and (laughs) the fact that you've got an energy type and you're a non-energy being is just quite an odd ironic thing to actually bring up but What it means is that you're not here to necessarily add energy to the pot and create energy in a way that, say, a generator or a manifesting generator is here to do. You're actually here to ride on energy in different ways, but, of course, you can feel your own internal urges or motivations or excitements about things, but it just means that you don't technically – add more energy into the world. You're just using it in a different way, right? And your soul absolutely wanted to do it in this way. It's not to say it's like any less than, but especially for reflectors, sometimes there's also this misconception that your only purpose is just to reflect back what's going on in the world. And that's like, that's absolutely not true. It's a really, really important part of your design, but every reflector has their own unique purpose and what they're doing. And as you go through your human design chart, you realize that there's so much more beyond energy type. But just having that awareness as a reflector that you don't actually have to have a fixed identity, that's where you want to understand that all of this whiteness in your chart is just, it just means you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into something. So you've got a really adaptable approach to the world that's going to actually serve you much better. So of course, yeah, you get excited by different things or you you do possibly feel actually more energy than other people because where you're white you're amplifying things so it's not to invalidate your experience that you're not feeling anything you're absolutely feeling something but the source of it isn't actually coming from inside does that make sense?
1: yeah that does make sense and as you were saying this too something that popped up is around like knowing that spaces are are so almost like vital to reflector sometimes how did you notice reflectors adapting the pandemic when like a lot of us were in lockdown and we couldn't just go out and buy plants and, you know, salt lamps, like how can someone that's maybe stuck in that situation, or especially if they're like in a hostel or they're not in their own space, how can they like make that space their own? And this is pretty much across the board too.
0: Yeah. in the pandemic reflectors are definitely, or yeah, have been feeling things in a more amplified way. So in situations where you cannot escape like being in the thick of some really intense energy, just some really key things. Obviously, there's differences in different locations around the world, how much nature time you can get, but nature is a huge energy cleanse. So taking a time, some time to just walk around the block, an um, amazing thing to do. Sometimes being around babies or being around animals, if they're in your space, Their energy is so pure that it can actually act as like a cleanse as well. Really cool to hear you've got a Himalayan salt lamp, things like crystals, all of those things are going to be incredibly beneficial. And then where you can, again, it might be tough, especially in lockdown situations, but having some time where you're sleeping alone. And maybe that actually means that you nap a little bit in the day or you do something where yeah you're just not sleeping in someone else's energy field because you are picking up on so much, and then obviously collective energy, if you're scrolling through your phone and just curating your feed so that you're not plugging into something that's incredibly um triggering or yeah seeing things that are actually going to calm you down or give you the state that you're actually wanting to see because you do amplify so much it's it's even more vital for you to be placing things in front of you that that really resonate with you and make you feel good. The sleeping thing is so
1: big. Like I have a really hard time adjusting to sleeping in the same bed as my boyfriend because I feel like I just don't get a lot of sleep and I remember telling him I'm like when things open up I might have to take a weekend alone where I just like rent an Airbnb or go to a hotel and like fully rest and sleep and he was like what? Like you're just going to pick a weekend every weekend or every month and I was like I think I need to, like, for my own sanity. And I'm like, I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, there's something about like rejuvenating and resting in my own space. And I just want to make sure that's not a crazy idea.
0: <laughs> no. And I love that you said it's going to be every month because Reflect is a lunar being. So you're very ruled by the moon and the moon moves in a m- one month cycle. So I think that would be incredible. And for you, I don't, I know last time we spoke, you were quite into tracking the moon phases. And so, I'm interested to actually hear how that's gone and if you've you've started to actually see a benefit in doing so.
1: Since I've been back, I was tracking the moon phases on my whiteboard and I've been waiting to buy a whiteboard again. So like the tracking fell off when I came back to Germany, but I'm like, I noticed a kind of weird shift where I'm like, What feels different? Oh, I haven't been tracking the moon and the cycles. So it's something that I actually have a whiteboard in my Amazon cart right now ready to buy so I can start tracking again. So I'm definitely prioritizing that.
0: Totally. And I recommend like females in general to do that, but reflectors especially because you are so ruled by the moon. Every other energy type is more solar being, so they're ruled by the sun. So having that connection is a really important thing. And just knowing that as a reflector, you're Authority is to, when you're making decisions, you're advised to wait a full lunar cycle when it's something really, really big. And what can be a tendency when we talk about conditioning for reflectors is to make snappy decisions or be super impulsive. So that can show up. And because when we talk about every other energy type, reflectors actually have an ability to feel into what it's like to be every other energy type. Sometimes it can be quite tempting to be more impulsive or initiate, say, like a manifester. And that can come easily to you because you're feeling it in your body and it's so right in the moment. But if you wait it out over the course of the month, you might actually get an internal click that, oh no, maybe we should, you know, make the, this different decision about that relationship or that job or that home space. So, where you can, buying yourself some time and just letting yourself move through the motions, that's going to be really, really important. And you might find that you're someone who receives a whole lot of clarity around the full moon and that can be a really good gauge. So, maybe there's only three days until the full moon. So it doesn't mean you have to wait out a full 28 day cycle.
1: Oh, I love that. And a big part of human design or main part is the, what is it called? The strategy. And then there's what well, I'm forgetting what the, the pieces are. So can oh. you walk through like, yeah, the authority, like can we walk through a little bit of those and what they mean? And then what they mean for reflectors.
0: So reflectors actually have their strategy and authority Is the same thing you're the only energy type that has that but your strategy which is the way you're supposed to approach the world is to wait out a lunar cycle so just going back to that yeah very lunar being follow the moon cycles figure out where you are along that track and then that's also your best guiding light when it's when you're making decisions another thing that for reflectors and also certain projectors There's part of your um, authority is about actually going into the environment that you're going to be making the decision around because obviously your environment is so important. Having some time in that space can be just a wonderful thing to do. I'd suggest if you're a mental projector that that would be something you'd like to do as well. But obviously that's getting kind of into more of the nitty gritty. But yeah, the strategy is how you are designed to exchange energy with the world and then your authority is your best decision-making tool. There's a bunch of other stuff we could go into as well, but those are the key pieces that I would say, if you took nothing else away from human design, knowing your energy type, your strategy, and your authority will really set you off and unlock a path of much more ease and flow.
1: What about the part that is, for example, with reflectors that highlights surprise and disappointment? What is that part called again?
0: Yeah, so that's the signature feeling of being either in your self-theme or your not-self-theme. So, yep, that's a good thing to bring up is that reflectors, when you're living aligned to your design, that feeling of surprise and delight is your green light from the universe that you're doing the right thing. When you're feeling a sense of disappointment, that's just a feeling that you'll get in your body. When you aren't living aligned to your design, and I always like to emphasize that when anyone is feeling... Um, they're not self thing, which I'll go through for the other energy types as well. It's actually something to be really incredibly grateful for because basically that is your body your body's beautiful wisdom giving you signals that there's something better out there for you. There's more opportunities, more growth if you actually just shift what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be a huge shift, but you're just getting these signals because your body literally knows that there's something better for you in the wings and it needs to get your attention. So it will make that feeling louder and louder until you start to take action.
1: Love it. And I don't want to take up too much time with reflectors, but like I said, I feel like we don't get enough attention. So,
0: Yeah. I'm just
1: curious, is there any other like misconception or myth or truth that you want to highlight about reflectors before we move on to the next energy types?
0: So I would say that reflectors have the capacity to be, and this is where I don't want to make it a hierarchy, but the most wise and the most embodied in terms of when we think about what it is to be enlightened and be purely present, reflectors are definitely here to show us that because We have so much language and pressure in society to find out who we are and what is your identity and having this fixed sense of self. And that is actually incorrect for reflectors. And so if you're constantly trying to push yourself into a certain mold because you've been had had this message hammered into you from day one. It's an incredibly hard conditioning to actually let go of, to actually realize that you have the greatest capacity to realize what it is to experience oneness. And we have so much, especially in more of the Western world that's surrounding individualism and separatism, and you actually have a really beautiful way when you fully unlock yourself and live in your design to show us how how we are all one and how we aren't separate and that complete sense of non-attachment which sets you free and is actually something that your aura is basically promising other people that you're, you're going to bring to them so I would actually say that if you're a reflector and you're afraid that you're going to be almost you know shunned from society because you're not fitting into the certain mold it's actually what society needs most deeply from you
1: love yeah. that have chills. I'm like, okay, all my reflectors Mm -hmm. listen to that clip, play it again. (laughs) (laughs) I want to move to projectors because I know that one type also has a lot of misconceptions, especially the wait for the invitation piece. So can you just run through projectors, like the type, the strategy, all the 411?
0: For sure. And I actually think... This term waiting, I've really been mulling over this for a wee while because I think it can be really limiting for people. And, you know, even for you, Chelsea, there's the the waiting for a lunar cycle. When you're talking about manifesting generators and generators, they have to wait to respond. Manifestors are actually the only type that don't have to essentially do any waiting in their strategy. But if you replace the word waiting with observe that can actually be quite a useful way to actually just reframe it so it's more empowering so that you're for example for you it's observing the lunar cycle noticing what happens over the lunar cycle you don't have to always be twiddling your thumbs in this waiting sitting on the couch not doing anything mode same thing say for reflectors it's like observing the invitations that come through or making yourself available for invitations that can be a nicer way to approach the strategy so that you don't feel locked away and like you can't take action. However, there is a beauty in being in a in a state of pause and that's another conditioning piece, right? Where we're so told to go 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 and everything needs to be fast and snappy and spontaneous. And of course there are moments and times for that, but when we're in that state of pause, it requires a whole lot more trust. When we're taking action we have this false sense of being in control, and that's actually not always the case. And when we do sit back and land in a, in a state of trust, of course, there's a vulnerability around that, but it's beautiful what, what the universe does bring in when we are actually open in, in the state of receiving. So just that word waiting is just something to consider. Maybe it's just literally that terminology that's limiting and actually that the pieces of guidance beneath it can actually be really, really rich and empowering when you actually look at them in a different light. But actually stripping it back to what is a projector in terms of the energy type. Projectors are also, like I said, considered non-energy beings. So the energy is also lighter and they aren't creating or putting more energy onto the planet when they are applying themselves to something. What projectors actually are here to do is oversee things. They have a very unique way of seeing deeply into systems or into people or just seeing how energy is working and then noticing how it can be utilized in a more efficient or effective way and so they actually tweak energy or maneuver it in some way rather than creating it so they're actually seeing energy rather than doing with their energy these are the people who will, will see something very deeply in a specific niche area. So it's not to say every projector sees everything, but they do come here on the planet seeing things in a way that's more advanced, let's say, than someone or some other area. They just have a very great lens over certain areas in their life. And what can be tricky for projectors growing up is that they might be told that they are know-it-alls or bossy or smartasses or just kind of put down for the advice that they're giving and that's because little projectors don't have the awareness that it's actually better to give their advice when it is invited in and that's when it's going to land best and so projectors who go out dishing their advice and telling their parents or friends what to do can oftentimes get yeah told to kind of take sit in their place and don't tell me what to do and that can actually feel quite harmful but as soon as you unlock this awareness around the idea of waiting for an invitation, it's actually a really, again, empowering thing. Projectors energy, as I said, is light. And so they aren't here to actually be on the ground hustling and grinding all the time. They see something really, really clearly and the energy gets really focused and absorbed in what it sees. And so it does actually take quite a lot out of a projector. And so they're here to really apply themselves in a More condensed time period and spend the rest of their time relaxing or mastering their craft or not being so in the work or in the thick of something because that zaps their energy quite quickly. What's a really huge conditioning for projectors is this idea of being lazy or not productive because they aren't actually here to go, 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 push, push, push. They're here to actually exemplify a new way of leadership, which is around creating quality, but it doesn't necessarily mean quantity. So the hours that you put in aren't the things we should be celebrating. It's the quality or the value that we are outputting. So for them to actually take a, a rest throughout the day will actually often create a better value outcome at the end of the day in terms of what they're producing, whether it is their gifts or their guidance, their talents. That's going to be something that they have to toy with throughout their life because a lot of times they will actually feel like they've done something better in their day if they've you know worked themselves till they're like sweating and dropping on the floor just because they wanted to prove that they were you know hard working in the way that it has been preached to us for years and years and years but there's definitely a new way of doing things and projectors really need to give themselves that permission to take that rest and give themselves that compassion but with their strategy just knowing that Waiting for an invitation just means that they just need to notice where there is like a green light or someone who, you know, an invitation could just be someone's body language is open or they say, Hey, I saw you were, you know, putting the rubbish out in that weird way that looked quite fast. Like, could you teach me? Someone just, I know that's a really random example. Mm. I just saw my rubbish, with. <laughs> but there's always something that they're doing. I know that's talking about my mom, who's a projector. She has all these like crazy, weird, efficient systems that she has in the kitchen or even the way she washes things and obviously painting her in the picture of a very domestic mother. But she she does have all these like little hacks and I swear it's just her projector mind that she thinks everyone knows about, but she actually has this this gift at seeing things and actually doing things in a much quicker way. And so when I notice that, right, I, I provide the invitation, oh, what are you actually doing there? Instead of her coming in like harping on to me, you should do X, Y, Z, often it doesn't land. And so as soon as, yeah, projectors just become aware that invitations will come, that's when they know that they want to be pouring the energy into those invitations rather than wasting it on trying to push it onto people who just aren't interested yet. It's not to say their gifts or guidance aren't valuable. It's just that they have to find the right people who actually recognize the value.
1: It's so interesting because literally right before this interview, I was looking at someone's story who's a projector and they were resting and they were saying, this is part of my strategy and design. Like I need to rest. I have another mentor who's a projector and she's always talking about resting like heavily on the weekends. And to your point, she always seems to see things that I was like, wait, what? You would think that I would know that. I feel like I'm a resourceful person. Why didn't I see it that way? And now it all makes sense. Like she's a projector. So I'm curious with this design type as well. Is there any other big misconception around the waiting for the invitation or a big truth that you want to highlight?
0: Something to just make really, really clear is that when we're talking about invitations, this is only necessary when you're wanting to put something out there that might be like a a product or a service or or advice for other people. But it's not to say that you have to be invited into every single exchange in your life. You don't have to always be invited to a friend's house. Go ahead and invite your friends over. Go ahead and you know take yourself out to a restaurant you don't always need to be invited places and it's also in this waiting phase not about hiding away from society making yourself available is a huge huge part of it so let's say if we're talking about career it could be you know making sure you have a linkedin profile or you're on your instagram or whatever it is that you're using to actually make yourself available for people to reach out to recognize to acknowledge that you have something to give that's a really really important thing to pay attention to so it isn't actually just about yeah holding yourself back because there is that term waiting and always trusting that invitations will come. So another thing that I see is when projectors settle on any old invitation that comes in, because it's like, oh my God, I've been waiting for so long and this invitation has come through. No, 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 no. You have to make sure that you're relying one on your authority, which is your best decision-making tool. When an invitation comes through, does this actually sit right with me? And then two, trusting that when you say no, that absolutely more invitations will come through and oftentimes they'll be better because you've essentially up-leveled by saying no to the crappy one. So yeah, I would say don't get complacent and make yourself available and then definitely be compassionate with yourself. I was speaking to a projector the other day who even noticed when her friends would come round and say she was napping, she'd instantly get up and sort of pretend she was vacuuming or doing something just so that she would literally feel worthy or like she'd act a little bit more flustered. And it's so funny, the lengths we go to. And it's just so... Yeah, it happens so instantaneously that we aren't even aware of these subconscious programs that are running. So just really empowering yourself and knowing that when you give yourself permission to rest, that's going to be incredibly inspiring and giving permission to other people who see you owning that. We need everyone to be owning their design to actually give permission to other people, right? It's a new way of doing things, but it's so much better for us. And when when everyone's living aligned, it works better For the harmony of everyone. So it's really not a selfish thing to do. It's actually incredibly selfless in that sense.
1: Okay. So projectors use that reframe around observing, not waiting, and pay attention to what Hannah was saying. Like there is so much selflessness in living in your design. And now I'm curious about generators. I just actually signed on a a lot of clients that are generators. And I feel like all my friends, my boyfriend, my family, like everything is manifesting generators. And I was like, I don't know much about generators. So can we jump into that one now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So generators and manifesting generators, there's definitely similarities there. But so for for both energy types, they have something called their sacral center colored in, which is essentially the creative life force go-go energy that a body graph contains. And when you have that colored in, it means you have consistent access to life force, creative desire energy. And what is really, really important is that generators and manifesting generators in order to have access to that they need to be doing what lights them up and what makes them feel really excited and happy and it's a very physical experience of the world when you're a generator and manifesting generator and this sacral center is essentially like a battery and these energy types wake up in the morning with a full tank of energy that they are here to expend over the course of the day so that they actually exhaust all of their energy and go to bed feeling deeply satisfied and exhausted so for your boyfriend, when he's feeling satisfied and exhausted, that's a good day. If he's feeling frustrated and exhausted, that's a not so good day. So that's when we start to talk about the um, feelings of self theme and not self theme. And just before I jump the gun and I just want to make sure I remember for projectors, I didn't mention their self theme and not self theme, but for them, a feeling of bitterness or feeling of like resentment is usually their their feelings of being not self. It's usually when they're not feeling recognized. And then when they're feeling successful or like they are recognized, that's a really good, I'm on track feeling for them to be noticing. So now back to generators. Yeah, their signature feelings, a deep feeling of satisfaction. And what's really interesting is that, yes, they wake up with a full tank of energy When they're applying themselves to tasks that they really, really love, they actually create an excess of energy. So it's like an overspill. And that is the energy that they ripple out into the world for the non-energy beings. And so manifestors and like the non-energy beings, reflectors and projectors, manifestors actually are energy beings, but they don't have a sacral center. So it's a little bit of a technical thing. But basically all of the other energy types, they are able to then ride off that that go, go, go energy, which we need. We all need to be using each other's energy in different ways and plugging into each other in different ways. And so it's so vital for all the generators and manifesting generators to be doing what they love in order to supply that life force energy for others. And if they're applying themselves to things that feel more like should do tasks rather than things that they really want to do, that's when they're actually going to lead to themselves into burnout and what I really like to emphasize is that you know when they're feeling really burnt out or really shattered it's usually a signal that they're not doing enough of what they love and so it's actually the messaging around you know oh you need to do less so that you you aren't so tired it's not so much about doing less for these energy types it's actually about doing more of what they love which of course could mean culling some areas of their life when it's things that aren't lighting them up but that's just a good thing to pay attention to and just visually writing down on a piece of paper what what activities you're doing that are lighting you up and what activities feel like they're draining you or they're coming from a should do mentality and just getting a a good visual representation of where the balance is lying is a really useful and effective exercise and then noticing where you can start to you know, chip away at that list that isn't isn't gonna be, you know, so serving. And so a big lesson that these energy types came here to learn is around boundaries and setting clear boundaries and their gut is they've got really strong access to their gut feelings and so when something excites them they'll know in their gut and they'll feel really expanded towards something so you might find that when you present an option to your boyfriend around maybe a cafe you want to go to I don't know if you can and lockdown what's a better example a song you want to listen to he might actually like get really excited and jump up and down or there's some kind of physical response that he'll get or there might be the sound, uh uh uh-huh, 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 and that's a really good cue for anyone with generating energy to pay attention to, as that's usually a really good, like, yes, this is the right thing signal, and then on the flip side, if they're feeling either in their body really contracted, or maybe they feel claustrophobic, or it's like a sticky feeling inside, that's a really good Suggestion that they should say no to what's in front of them, or the sound that they might make is uh uh-uh, uh uh. So, like really babyish sounds, but they're quite good to pay attention to. The difference now that I'll mention between manifesting generators and generators is that generators tend to have a little bit more of a slower pace. They often tend to master the craft that they're doing and they don't skip steps. They're very, um, they, they, there's a lot of depth in, in what they're doing. And then manifesting generators their energy is a lot more fast paced so they have a blend of generating energy and manifesting energy and so it's kind of like they've got two speeds going on so manifesting generators life is often looks a little less linear there's a lot ups and downs and roundabouts and they might complete something to about 50% and then decide that they need to drop that one off and What I will say is if a manifesting generator isn't living in that way, it's often due to conditioning, right? That we need to see something through to completion. And it's actually really important to give yourself permission if you are a manifesting generator and you feel like you were really passionate and excited about this course that you were doing or a relationship that you were in. And then all of a sudden, all of the lights turn out and you're just no longer feeling revved inside. It's so important that you actually drop that thing right there because you are here to actually experience a whole lot in this world. And so to put your head, to get your head buried down in something that's not actually for you is really, really, you know, a disservice to yourself, your energy, you're going to get more burnt out. And then obviously you're not creating energy for other people. So it's a disservice for others as well. So when we're looking at the differences, it is kind of this the speed that's going on in between the generators and more steady but obviously there are other elements in the chart that would suggest there could be ups and downs in different ways but um, both energy types really need to pay attention to what their sacral center or their gut is responding and it's often going to be in a very black and white way so everything that they're doing is is a response to life right so it's whether you know they're going out and seeing different food being placed on their plate or an opportunity is presented to them in in partnership with a manifesting, did you say he's a manifesting generator?
1: Yeah, he's actually a manifesting generator.
0: Manifesting, yeah. So same thing is like when you're asking questions, if you can provide him with specific options or something that he could respond yes or no to, that's going to make for a much more effective and efficient conversation rather than providing open-ended questions that can usually leave, generators and manifesting generators kind of stumped because they're always in that response of like, yes or no. And if it's like, what do you want to do? It's kind of leaving them a little bit blank. And so that's just a good um, communication piece to pay attention to. The other thing to know is that as a generator, your strategy is literally waiting to respond. So as I said before, it's maybe you you actually say observe what you're responding to and knowing that, especially when it comes to responding, it does happen quite instantaneously, so you're not really waiting too long. It's like you step outside and you respond to the sun that's rising. There's always things to respond to. And because when we're looking at the aura, you want to really be aware that your aura is quite magnetic, so you're always drawing opportunities and things towards you, and it's your role to be in that position of observer And paying attention to how you are feeling in your body and whether you are expanded towards things or contracted away from things, that's going to determine what your best course of action is. Something that you might like to visualize as like the universe being your personal shopper and it's always going to be going out and bringing you things. But you have to sometimes say no to maybe it's the ill-fitting dress that you've got on before the other opportunities or the other outfits can be brought to you. And so that might look like saying no to a relationship or saying no to working extra hours at work and just noticing that when you do create that space, other things will start to fill it and that's you're going to just be in that position of allowing things to come to you rather than having to push and go out into the world and hustle so much. It's actually about noticing what shows up on your path and then when you get that sacral yes response inside, that is your cue to go ahead and take action or when you are responding to something externally, it could even be that you see a pretty flower on the road and that inspires an idea. But manifesting generators and generators will always be Responding to things that come onto their path externally. And so it's, um, I guess I, I can talk about the manifesting generator, perhaps their strategy, which is, it does have an element of waiting to respond, but there's also part of it is an, um, informing. But it might help if I talk about manifestors to kind of understand that piece. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be awesome. All right. Yeah, let's jump into the manifestors because then, like you said, maybe it will tie the other ones together.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, manifester's aura, a manifestor aura is very big and impactful and so when a manifesto walks into a space, you will inevitably feel their energy. It doesn't mean that this person is loud or aggressive or bullshit. They absolutely can be, but it's just the energy is has an impact, right? So you turn your head if they walk into a space. They might not even say a word. And this is because manifestors who comprise 8% of the population, they're the next rarest type. They're here to basically create worlds within other worlds. They're here to initiate things, get the ball rolling. And so you can think of the manifestor almost like a, a train driver. And so they're they're saying this is where we're going. And so manifestors are here to initiate, here to lead. The language around go, go out there, just do it, push. That's actually a really good language for manifestors to follow. But we need to remember that manifestors are only 8% of the population, right? So that language doesn't actually apply to everyone else. But yes, if you're a manifestor, absolutely go hard, balls to the wall, like you're initiating left, front and center. And what's interesting is that this aura is sometimes considered repelling. And that can sound like a little bit of a negative terminology, but basically people are either really, really drawn towards manifestors or really turned away from them. And that's an, that's actually a really divine thing that the universe is sifting out the people who are meant to be on board this manifestors train and letting the other ones go. And often manifestors can feel like when someone is rejecting what they're bringing to the table, that that's a personal rejection, but they just need to understand that It's not personal. It's just literally the universe doing the the heavy lifting and moving out the people who are going to actually hold you back because they're only half dipping their toe into something they're not fully on board. And what... You usually find is that manifestors, they're very capable beings. And so they're often born knowing how to look after themselves in many ways. And when they feel like authorities are micromanaging them or wanting to control them, that feels really stifling for their energy, especially because they know exactly how to do something for themselves. And oftentimes actually better than, than the parent or the teacher. And that's just not nurtured so much in society. We don't give manifestors that much permission to just go out and do their own thing. But these are the people who could probably just wander on out into the woods at six years old and look after themselves for a few nights and then wander on back home and say, hey, what's for dinner? And everything's normal. But what is interesting is that when they do feel really controlled as kids, they can have either two responses it's either to completely rebel or they can actually become total people pleasers and start to dilute the bigness of the energy. And what's so disempowering for a manifestor is when they are trying to work in towards someone else's mold of what they approve of. And it's actually about being completely unapologetically bold and authentic. And that's the gift that the manifestor is actually here to give. And actually sometimes being a little bit polarizing and triggering people, even though it can feel like it's its personal understanding that you're actually doing your job of giving the other energy types something to respond to or something to feel invited by or you know that you're actually eliciting energy it's like you're flicking the dominoes mobilizing energy in the world which is what we need we need energy to move and so manifestors have a really important part to play there and they're they're really in their happy place when they can just be free and spontaneous and not controlled and so as much as we can allow them to do that That's a really important thing. And I also find, you know, I'm not a manifester, but understanding that some people are here to operate in that way allows me to feel a lot more compassionate when, say, I might feel triggered by something and understanding this is actually purposeful. And so that's where I love human design, actually understanding all of the different energy types and how people operate. But, yeah, manifestors energy is definitely here to initiate. And when we think of the train driver, you know, they're saying that they're going from, Germany to France and this is where we're going and everyone else around has the choice to either hop on board that train or not and that the, the manifestor, their strategy is around informing and so it doesn't actually feel that natural it can feel quite counterintuitive for a manifester to tell someone what they're doing or to share or communicate what they're feeling but it's actually something that's going to part the waters for them because basically subconsciously people feel like the manifesto is quite mysterious. They never quite know what their next action is because it is very spontaneous. And because people love certainty, that can make them feel quite unsafe. So naturally, people might have their back up a bit when a manifesto walks into a space. So as soon as the manifesto just lets someone know, you know, I'm going to France, that just softens and makes people feel more relaxed because they have some level of certainty around what's going to happen. And then it's never about the manifestor asking for other people's permission or what other people think they should be doing. It's just about stating what's happening unapologetically and then letting everyone else respond in whatever way they choose to. And so just looping all the way back to the manifesting generator, their strategy is to wait to respond and then inform. So they've got kind of a one, two step. So they have to, first of all, wait for their sacral center to respond to something so they see or Hear someone say something and they get excited by it. And then because they're here, they're able to initiate things. You'd say, okay, so inform before you go out and do something. But the difference between a manifesting generator and a manifester is that manifestors just get these internal urges from inside and then they're here to go and do. So it's a little bit, they're not taking that step of having to respond to something c- coming to them externally. But the piece about informing applies to both parties just to release resistance.
1: This is so helpful. I have a call later with a client that's a manifester and I'm like, okay, I need to tell her to just like state things and declare and that will like cause that nervous system to calm down. So so helpful.
0: The one other thing I'd say just especially if you're about to hop on a call is that their self-theme is feeling really free and at peace and then when they're not in their self-theme anger like rage is a huge part of manifest energy and I've spoken to a bunch of manifestors who have really great rage outlets like one person actually would wind down her car window and just like scream like in the, the open roads and I was like that's a great tip to give other manifestors but yeah some people have really hot showers and like just sing really loud or do really intense workouts but rage is a huge thing that they need to get yeah, externalized sometimes in in safe ways <laughs>
1: I can highly vouch for the screaming in a car. I did that in January. I was having a really bad day, and I was like, "This feels like the only outlet I have," and I felt so much better after I did it. So yeah. definitely try that out, everybody. <laughs> I just realized, what is your human design?
0: Guess. <laughs> I feel
1: like manifesting generator.
0: No, I'm a generator, but I, ha- I have a generator. lot of that um, is non-linear in my chart, which is quite man Jenny. <laughs>
1: Well, I want to talk about manifesting generators because I am in the coaching industry, like wellness space. And it seems like manifesting generators are always put on this pedestal. Like when any, whenever I see a woman like crushing it, people are like, are you a manny gen? You must be a manny gen. And people even ask me that, like, what's your human design? You must be a manifesting generator because I have the podcast and my courses and my clients. And I always find it fascinating that the many gens get this kind of hype that I feel like none of the other energy types get. So I'm curious, like, what's your take on that? And why do you think that they're kind of put on this different playing field than the other energy types?
0: Yeah, I think it comes down to people really simplifying what an energy type is. And even tonight, it's an incredibly simplified version of what you actually can understand from your energy type. And so there's a real blanket statement I think around if we think of we have so much praise around like we're talking about being busy and being spontaneous and busyness and having having lots of things going on at once is definitely something that manifesting generators are known for. However, it can people can be busy in, in other ways or doing lots of things, but it's actually the way that they approach what they're doing is going to be if they're living aligned to their design. They can approach things differently. So the the blanket statement around things like projectors and reflectors being sometimes even like weaker or lower energy. It's that stuff actually really grinds my gears. I don't like that because it's so it's so wrong. And it's not to say that every generator is bounce or, or manifesting generator is bouncing off the walls, like. For me, as an example, just as a generator, I definitely need my rest time and I, I actually frame that in that rest actually really lights me up and I really like taking those that time out for myself or being in nature or whatever it is and unplugging. And it's not to say if you're you know, a generator you have to work a 9 to 5. It could be that you're a really great mother and that's what lights you up and, you know, if you're um, a reflector approaching life and sometimes that manifesting generator way is, is actually – absolutely what you're here to do it's just that you also are you know absorbing and reflecting back to other people how they're going and that's that's another part of your your design so it can look so many ways and when we start to actually look into specific centers and your specific gifts and strengths and the different channels that you have you might find that you are a generator with much more similarities to a projector than you know another generator or you could be a reflector with a bunch of the same um, channels and and gifts that the manifesting generator has, and that actually makes you a lot more similar, or you have a certain profile type that's the same. It's there's just layers and layers within human design. And so when people start to simplify, oh, you must be this energy type, it's just it's very short-sighted. <laughs> and right. I understand sometimes we have, you know, clickable things maybe or or memes that simplify things just down to a few words so it's understand and i I totally understand where it's coming from but it's definitely a myth don't don't believe it (laughs) okay
1: so don't believe yeah all these memes like you said it's just like watered down very watered down actually versions of what's really going on so can you walk us through the the mg like the strategy everything their inner authority all that stuff
0: yeah so it's essentially like the same as a generator they're meant to wait to respond so in the same way that i was applying to generators and and like the old textbooks or still in the textbooks that exist today sometimes they're clumped as one energy type but they just have a different expression of it so a lot of the stuff is similar in terms of the way that they do need to wait to respond in their strategy. But for a manifesting generator, we just want to think there's a manifest energy in there too, which is much more like lightning bolt speed and then the generator, which is much more kind of grounded and slow. And so they've got these two speeds going on. Manifesting generators are incredibly fast learners. They're incredibly capable. They're often multi-passionate, got their fingers in lots of different pies. And it's actually really important for them to actually busy themselves in multiple things so you know sometimes there might be conditioning around we need to stick to one path and see it through to completion all of that stuff is actually completely wrong and like having a few things on the go for a manifesting generator is actually much better for the energy it could actually be that they feel incredibly exhausted when they're starting to strip away certain tasks from their to-do lists or you know it's actually really good for them to have lots of things happening at one time and Another thing is that they move, they can move really, really fast. And so just being aware if they are skipping steps that can sometimes show up. So sometimes intentionally taking a pause or before they agree to do something, just sort of stepping back, closing their eyes and visualizing it happening and then feeling it in their body. You want to think about your sacral center being like an engine in a car. And when you when you're feeling the yes feeling, like you're excited by something, that's your engine being revved. And so your car is going to be able to drive down the road with not much hassle. Whereas if you feel really excited by something and you go and do it, but actually it wasn't, you didn't have that sacral response, that's basically going to feel like you are pushing your car with your hands because you actually don't have the engine going. It's like you have to get out of the car and push it down the road. So it's going to be a much more, long, hard, arduous road to take. And so just taking a little bit of a step back sometimes and realizing that you do actually have that generator energy in you that requires you to go just a little bit slower and to just check in before you go out and take action but then also just not being afraid if you've completely outgrown certain situations, you're here to completely sort of reinvent yourself in different ways. And so obviously we can even see similarities now between you as a reflector who probably experiences multiple different iterations of life, depending on where you are, you know, there's that reinvention piece in that way. And like, But that is a really big part of um, manifesting generators.
1: The skipping steps thing is so funny because I have a manifesting generator friend who is like, I'm going to start a membership and a course and a podcast in the next two weeks. And I'm like, okay, yeah, right. And all of a sudden she'll have a membership, a course and a podcast in the next two weeks. And I'm like, what? Like, how did you do that? And it's like, she just skipped all these steps and made it happen. So it kind of feeds into the whole idea again that like, oh, manifesting generators are these like crazy hustlers. So I'm curious if there's any other misconceptions or myths and truths about manifesting generators.
0: Yeah, and like, definitely it's true. They're highly capable people. One thing around that that I do want to mention is that Just because you can doesn't mean you should if you're a manifesting generator. I really want to emphasize that, especially because we know that boundaries are going to be a really important thing for you to be setting. So just yeah, realizing, yep, you're capable, but it doesn't mean you have to go out and do do the thing. And then when it comes to just what we value in society, like even though I think we are moving more towards a place where we're realizing that you don't always have to be having a hustle for you to be considered like a great person or, you know, someone who's doing more and that equals a better person. Like that's, that's absolutely not true, but it's just about realizing that we are all different. So if that's something that is lighting you up and you are, you know, receiving from that as much as you are giving to the, to the, to the world, that's a really important thing to pay attention to. And when it comes back to almost what I was talking about with the projector and how, it's all about quality, not quantity, and, and the value that you're giving. It doesn't have to be based on hustling and going all the time. And I actually really look up to people who have a really spacious workflow, and you can tell that they're actually just living like so completely jazzed up in what they and what they're providing, and they don't feel the need to go out and prove themselves by doing, doing, doing all the time. And I think. It also comes down to what we really believe will actually be radiated out into the world. So if you're still operating on the mindset that having the podcast, the course, the business, whatever it like going on all at once is going to make you worthy. If you have, if you're producing one piece of content, say it was the podcast alone then you might be judging yourself for that. And I totally believe that 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 vibration moves through your podcast and there might be a sense of, you know, a lower sense of self-worth that other people will naturally pick up on. So when you actually respect yourself and what you're doing and you believe in yourself, that confidence naturally gets translated and reflected back to you. So I think a lot of it actually comes down to doing the internal work on yourself and working on your own limiting beliefs and then noticing how that translates and how you are received in the world. Wow. So, so helpful. So now we've gone through all the five
1: energy types. Is there anything you want to add before I get into listener questions?
0: Uh, I think I've covered quite a bit of ground there, but yeah, let's go into questions.
1: Okay. So someone asked about human design and parenting, and they said, how to support and nourish my child. She's one based on her human design.
0: Yeah. So I guess it depends on what her human design is but you could definitely look into like let's say if we can go through the energy types but if your child was a reflector we'll go from that we'll we'll talk about reflectors first I'm taking your your cue if your child was a reflector I would say treating making sure that her environment was really, really you know, beautiful and that there wasn't maybe clutter around and that you were allowing her to go slow, like working with that slow rhythm is important. Maybe even like breastfeeding under the moonlight or connecting with the moon in some way could be a beautiful thing to do. Then if we were looking at the projector child, I would say allowing that baby to nap as much as possible. And then obviously when the child grows up a bit, Teaching her what a correct invitation looks like. So, noticing and acknowledging when she's doing something good, giving her praise is a really beautiful thing to do so that she feels that sense of acknowledgement and knows what it looks like, so that that strategy she can follow later on in life with a little bit more awareness. And then, for a manifester child, letting them have a little bit more free reign. You may even find that the baby you can feel that that intense impactful aura and really showing her what it's like to have that that dance with the aura and the energy and if you have a manifested child feeling into the aura and then also letting them do as they please as they grow up that's a really important thing obviously within limits keeping them safe but it is just really important to know that they might act a little bit different right than some other kids and they will have an idea of what they want to do and teaching them to share and communicate. Communicate is a really important thing. So perhaps even having conversations while they might not be talking yet, just just showing them what communication is. And then for generators making sure that they're excited, noticing that when they're like happy and delighted and squealing or making sounds, that's a really good thing. Don't shut off the sound, uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh. That's a really good cue that they can use going up into the world. So don't condition that out of them. I would say if they aren't feeling sleepy yet, especially manifesting generators, actually, if they aren't sleepy, don't try and force them to go to sleep because that energy needs to be utilized through to completion until they have a really good night's sleep. Yeah, when the child grows up as like a manifesting generator, letting them have lots of lots of different things on the go, maybe lots of different toys. They could be playing this toy and also watching T V and not trying to force them to have one thing happening at one time. And then if they decide they don't want to finish creating that Lego castle halfway through, great, leave it. They don't need to complete it. Like just teaching them in those small ways could be a really beneficial way to go about it. But obviously there's so there's so many different things you could do, but that would just be something I would yeah, say so just little tidbits. Maybe that's- something actually
1: also helpful. Oh no, just say that's so helpful. Like for anybody that has a child to go through all them. But what were you going to say?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say with eating as well or feeding, um, as reflectors and projectors sometimes it's more about feeding like little and often all of the time and so not making them have a really big feed could be something just as a non-energy being it's like light energy so dealing in like more smaller doses often and then with a manifester letting them kind of and it might not be that you're breastfeeding whatever you're feeding the child with it's like letting them dominate that or have some kind of power over it could be good and then with the generators and manifesting generators, they might actually tend to want to have a bigger, a bigger feed because sometimes these people can have a greater appetite. So that could be something to pay attention to as well.
1: That was so, so helpful. Like I'm keeping this on file for when I have a child because that was extremely valuable. I also had someone write in and ask, how does human design show up in relationships? Now this one seems very broad, but I guess maybe something to narrow it down is like, Is it important to know your partner's design or like, you know, should reflectors not date manifesting generators? Like, is there any rule, not rules, you know what I mean? But guidelines, I think maybe that's what they're wondering.
0: Yeah. I think that it's like wrong to disqualify someone from being in a relationship with you based on their energy type. I think we can all plug into each other and create chemistry with other people in different ways. And it's actually, better to look at your charts separate from looking at your energy type and just look at where the colors and and lines are coming out from your chart and then looking at your partner's chart or your friend's chart whatever kind of relationship you're looking into and just see if you can spot maybe where the lines would meet or where there's connection points because that's actually going to show you where there is chemistry where you might see in a chart that you've got similar lines or similar colored centers, that's going to show you where you have likeness with someone. So there's probably a harmony or a, a basis for friendship. I've, I've chatted with couples who have very similar charts and you can see that there is that friendliness and similarity there. And then I've also chatted to people who have opposite complete charts, but they, they create a whole when they're connected together. So they complete each other in different ways and You'll often find that in your life, you will attract in people that that do finish off little lines or make make your body graph look look in a certain way. Obviously, it's just so different depending on different people. But when it comes down to specifically energy types, I would just say, have an awareness of what your partner's energy type is so that you know how they're operating and that just allows you to have more of like that compassion and understanding. And I think having yeah any kind of self-awareness is always going to improve a relationship. So even if it was just that you understood how you work best, that's obviously going to have a great influence as well. But bonus points if you figure out what your partner is too. Love that. And then
1: one of the final questions I got was actually business related that asked about marketing as a two, four projector. Um, again, I don't think people could get really specific with the little box, but I'm wondering if they just mean more of like, is there a marketing message they should focus on or marketing strategy or honoring their own energy while marketing? Um, however you want to interpret that question, I'm open to.
0: Yeah, so I would say with projectors, the piece around soliciting I would I would say hold back from being super pushy and pushing like products or advice onto people when we go back to that idea of making yourself available putting your work out there please 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 put your work out there do not hold back but just don't do it in a way that you're trying to like shove it down someone's throat in particular you just want to make sure that you've got eyes on what you're offering right and the other thing just for being a 2-4 I'll give her a little bit of advice is that for her her networks are really really important so opportunities will come through her people and if she was to go out and say deliver a a message or a talk with people if she could make eye contact or shake someone's hand pre covid times or you know have some kind of personal intimate connection with someone before she stands up in front of say a crowd that's going to have a really good impact on the message that she's sharing so having intimate connections with people working with the networks will be a really good way so even something like network marketing i'd really recommend
1: Amazing. So clearly you're an expert in human design and people will definitely want to book with you. But before we get into how people can work with you, there's always a question I ask all my guests that is, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. And because you're such an expert in human design, astrology, etc., is there anything
0: that you're not an expert in that you wish you were? Oh, so <laughs> way back to the beginning of this call... I was talking about how I used to look up names in name books. I still to this day have a super intense fascination with names. And I think that's something like that they look into quite a lot in the um, Kabbalah. So in that Kabbalistic world, I'd be really keen to have some expertise into that, into that field, which I do not have. So <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> maybe that's my stay my t- Down, yeah,
1: yeah. We're going to see you doing like name readings or something in the near future. I can feel it.
0: (laughs) Totally. And then I guess the other thing I'd love to be an expert in is like, playing a sport like tennis, I'm just horrifically uncoordinated. So, I mean, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we we can't do it all, but we can always work towards things. So, that was amazing. I love this conversation. So helpful. And you busted so many myths around human design, which I really wanted to get into. So, thank you so much. And I know people are going to want to book a reading with you. So, how can they get in touch and get to experience your
0: work? Yeah. So, you can... Go straight to my Instagram, which is Hannah Carrera. and then I just have a little link in my bio that is you're able to book a reading there, or you can go onto my website, which is hannahsoulpsychology.com. And yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. There's just a little link that has human design and astrology readings and it's just such a pleasure um, sharing the information. And I've had so much fun sharing with you, Chelsea. So thank you.
1: Thank you. I had so much fun learning about it. I'm like going to relisten and just try to integrate it back into my life with my boyfriend, my clients. So thank you so much again for coming on.
0: Oh, pleasure.
1: Okay. I hope you have a notebook and a pen and you wrote a ton of notes down because this is an episode I am definitely going to go back and listen to because there are so many nuggets of wisdom. Hannah is such an expert as you can tell. And it was so amazing to have her on and cover all these different facets of human design. And I think my favorite part was actually busting the myths. Like the waiting for the invitation with projectors and some designs feeling lazy and some designs getting stereotyped as something else. I really wanted to break down those misconceptions. And so I hope you felt some validation or found a new perspective from listening to Hannah and her different lens on human design. If you found value, I would love if you could leave a review. And if you leave a review, I will send you a guided meditation. So just take a screenshot of the review before you submit it and then send it to info at ChelseaRife.com and you will get that guided meditation. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Chelsea Reif or at non-expert opinion pod. And my website will be in the show notes. And then make sure to follow Hannah. She's actually coming out with a course around soul psychology, which is going to be fucking amazing. Go follow Hannah. She always does energy readings for the different human design types, as well as astrology readings every month. And she's just amazing. You can tell with her knowledge and her lens of of the world that she really brings such a unique perspective and i'm so happy she was on so make sure to follow her follow myself and tag us in instagram stories and let us know what your favorite part about this episode was all right with that i will see you all next week